You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Gobbler Country's Very Happy Talking Turkey with my regular co-host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, John. Huggies are 3-1. and one. Couldn't be any better right now unless we were 4-0. Yeah, that's the only thing that I could think of. And we nearly <clears throat> got to 4-0, even though we already talked about that, the frustrations. But the big smile that just started to crack a little bit because we started seeing something, especially in the second half, of the UNC game that we saw in spades at the BC game. And that was offense. Something before we delve into the game, I want to note was we may be three and one, but a certain team from Chapel Hill that defeated us the week before also lost this weekend. So that was nice. Yeah. So they own the tiebreaker for now, but they also lost their invincibility quote. Yeah, I don't know if you pay attention to their schedule, but they've gotten some good home cooking with the schedule makers this year because I noticed they don't play Clemson, and I believe they don't play Notre Dame or Miami. It's one of the two. And they also get lucky with NC State this weekend because Hawkman's under center and Devin Leary's out for six weeks. So Carolina's getting pretty lucky on the scheduling. They faced us with down all those players. So... Things are breaking right for Mac Brown's boys down in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Well, you know, Mac has always lived a charmed life. He's been just ahead of the law, the authorities, his entire existence. And, you know, he's been a country good old boy who's, you know, backslapping and glad handing and, and nobody really wants to believe this or believe that. But, man, he does run a, a lucky program. That's all I got to say. So we came here to talk about BC, and we're going to talk about the BC game and the fact that really it was an offensive tour de force for us and not your typical offensive tour de force. It wasn't a very balanced offensive tour de force, was it? I noted in the preview last week that I thought we would have a good success running the football against BC because our running game's that good. It's a legitimate, really good running game because our offensive line's so good, Herbert's so good, but I didn't think we would get 300 yards. We got 300 yards again, so this is an impressive group. BC's defense is no slouch. We're going to face – BC's defense is better than what we're going to face the next two weeks when we face Wake Forest in Louisville. Yeah. Let me see. The running game. We had, first of all, Hendon Hooker and Khalil Herbert each had 18 attempts. Hooker gained 166 yards. Herbert, 146 yards. That's a game with nearly 20 attempts for two running backs. Well, in the case of this, a quarterback who was in, in our scheme, a running back too. And both of them in excess of 140 yards. Hooker only lost two and Khalil only lost three. So their nets are not much different than their totals. So Hendon was a little over nine yards a carry. And Herbert was just a shade short of eight yards a carry. Of course, Hendon had three touchdowns. Herbert's touchdown came in the air. Now, 
even Raheem Blackshear got into the picture because he had three runs, and that last run of his was a beautiful, what was it, 28-yard touchdown? Yeah, I want to touch <laughs> on that one because we finally got to see him break loose a little bit. We've heard so much about him, and he actually showed a lot in that one little run there. He came into the line, so it showed some great vision, seeing where the hole was developing, showed some nice footwork there, great decision, patience. And then once he took it to the outside, he was gone. It was it was nice to see that that's our backup running back. It's pretty cool. It just made me smile when I saw his number cross what was the goal line for me, which was that threshold in the defensive secondary just under the zone as the blocks opened up and a couple of guys dropped off and he sort of shook that one kind of semi-arm tackle. And I went, oh God, he's gone. That's the only thing I could think of. He's gone. That's it. It's over with. He's out of there. And he accelerated. I think at one point in the game, it was in the third quarter, maybe. I saw him set up a screen for him, but it was third and long. I'm like, I want to see that on first or second down. Let's design some running plays to get him the ball in space because I believe he's going to break one, a long touchdown run. I agree. That screen that they ran to Herbert is perfect for Blackshear, too. And I'd run that one on first down or, you know, like a second and short or second and maybe mid, like a second and five. I'd run that at a second and five with either one of them, but with Blackshear especially, because like we found out, Herbert can accelerate. I was like pretty shocked at how fast Blackshear went from wading through traffic to lighting the afterburner. Yeah, coming into the season, I think we all thought Herbert was more of a power runner than because... Looking back at him at Kansas, he didn't seem to show this kind of acceleration. And, and you see him now, and it's like, man, this guy's fast. We knew Blackshear had some had some wiggle and some speed to him, but it was pretty nice to see that. I, I hope this is the beginning of Blackshear's breakout. Yeah, and like we've said, both of them have a freebie year because this is a freebie year for everyone. So if both of them want to hang around, which I, is no guarantee of that, but if both of them wanted to hang around, They've got the room and the time to hang around a little bit. A lot of guys go out for the draft, and they go out for the draft in a crowded field, and there are going to be a lot of running backs coming out for this draft, and maybe they want to hang around an extra year and be a little bit more special, right? I don't know. We'll see. So on the offense, we know the ground game. Hendon Hooker was near perfect on the air game. He was 11 of 15 for 111 yards and that beautiful little screen touchdown to Khalil Herbert, but what was really important was that big goose egg in the INT column. There was nice exchanges. There was a couple of low snaps that he fielded pretty well, but for the most part, the snaps were good, and so there was no buffaloes in that. The exchanges were nice and clean, but he had a really nice, it wasn't over the top, it wasn't a 400-yard passing game. When you run for 350 yards, why do you need to pass the ball, right? But it was a nice, consistent, mistake-free passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love the passing game as much as anyone, but if we're rolling over people rushing for 300 yards and we're only passing for 100, we're going to win. We're winning most of those games. So I'm all for that. If we run for 300, 350 yards a week and we have 111 yards passing, we're winning games, and that's all that really matters. Yeah, and then, okay, let's fold in the last note because I've done it before. Vice Squad, that's what they're calling themselves now. We have one of the best offensive lines in college football right now. Yeah, the Big Ten hasn't reported in in the Pac-12 or whatever, but we are actually rating better 
than Clemson. You saw it this week. We had another PFF best offensive lineman put in there with, let me see, who was it this time? Doug Nestor. Yeah, Doug Nestor got noticed. Mm-hmm. What basically what's happening is is that they're picking one guy a week from our offensive line to bring up and say this guy was special this week, and it's like each of the next guy. Yeah, because this year we've had Darius been mentioned a couple of times, and Smith was mentioned last week. Tanuta was mentioned after week one. So was Brock Hoffman. So it's pretty cool to every season. Now now we need to get Brian Hudson in there when he plays, and Zanzi when he plays. Speaking of Silas Zanzi. What happened on Saturday? Silas Zanzi was playing for Luke Tenuta, who was out for some reason. They didn't say why. Who noticed? Did anybody notice that one of our best offensive linemen, our number ones, was not in the game, did not play a snap, and it was Silas up there? No one noticed because there was no change. That is amazing. There was no drop-off because Silas is a number one. He's a one. He's not a two. So that's going to be an interesting issue. We have some depth and talent on that offensive line, and they are blowing people off the ball and burying people on the second level. There's no going back on that. It's going to be interesting to see them against a Miami or to see them against a Clemson. Just, yeah, okay, everybody who had gritting their teeth about Clemson. Clemson is not unbeatable. Clemson is definitely not unbeatable. They are the cream of the crop. And they do have a near pro team, but they're not unbeatable. I think the thing that's important to mention when it comes to Clemson, they just beat Georgia Tech 73-7 to on Saturday. And I think you notice those things because I think they were putting in third and fourth string guys there at the end and still scoring touchdowns. And by the time we play Clemson, their defense better be a lot better. And I was encouraged by some things I saw in the second half of that game with their defense because we were living off turnovers, and you know you can't live off turnovers because BC was moving the football. But I thought our game plan going in was to limit Hunter Long and Zay Flowers. And I think if you look at the statistics, they did a good job of that. Flowers was averaging over 100 yards a game, almost 20 yards a catch. He had seven catches for 57 yards. He was a non-factor. Hunter Long did have the nice touchdown where he made a great effort in the red zone, and he also caught, I think, three of his catches were first down. So he made a small impact, but I think that was mostly in the early stages of the game. I thought the defense did a good job containing those guys and, and letting Jalen Gill beat them because Jalen Gill didn't really beat him. He had a touchdown, but it was when the game was already decided. Yeah, my impression of the defense was they made do, and I'm not as down on that. I know I talked to Joshua. I always talk to Josh after a game and talk to him at length. And then, of course, several of our other regular commenters were like, oh, I, was, I said, okay, number one, all five turnovers. Out of all five turnovers, only one was an accident. Four of them, meaning three fumbles and one pick, were all punch outs. They were defensive players getting a hat on or a hand on the ball, punching the ball out and setting it up for somebody to grab the ball. And that is a play. All of us did playing football. You all practiced that. Punch the ball out. Who's going to go get the ball? You know, fumble drills and, and that kind of stuff. And they were good, consistent. I'm, I'm looking at their fumble recoveries. Good, consistent technique. Fall on the ground, gather the ball in, get several players around it. It was designed. They were doing that. They were calling that play. Hey, he's carrying it loose. Let's punch the ball out. Hey, look, if you're having trouble making those, okay, it wasn't trouble. 
I don't think the defense was set up to stop the intermediate pass. I think the defense was, and from the comments I heard after the game, I think the defense was set up to stop the deep game, which was what they were living off of, that BC was living off of that mid game, you know, that longer game, you know, that where the sand, I call it sandlot, where the ad hoc sandlot game, where Jerkovic would get out outside the pocket or something and do something Roethlisberger-y, as they kept mentioning on the broadcast. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a little bit overkill and ridiculous to be comparing that guy to Roethlisberger. He's five games okay. in his sophomore year. I mean, we're gonna- yeah. maybe look, okay, look if he keeps going like he's going and it, and he keeps getting better and better in his senior year, he pulls that off. Yeah, I'll throw a hat to him. But remember, I'm this big Steeler fan. Well, and no, right. he's not Roethlisberger. I mean, right now. He's not one of the five best quarterbacks in the ACC. The ACC's quarterback depth is no. unreal this year. I would I would rank right now. I'd rank obviously Lawrence is head and above head and shoulders above everyone. Then you got Sam Howell and you got Hendon and you have Devin Leary at NC State's really good. I mean those are all guys that and and Derek King is phenomenal at Miami. I mean these are all guys you would take over Jerkovic right now. Now is he going to be really good? Yeah, but it's no coincidence Tim Hasselback was on commentary. So yeah, well we'll forgive Hasselback, you know. It's not that he doesn't like the Hokies because he said a lot of nice things about the Hokies here and there. It's just he seems to be very, of course, you know, Boston College and that era of football. And that's that's where he's from. You know, well, he, that's, wasn't that's, even, he wasn't even the good Hasselbeck, but no, he wasn't even the really good Hasselbeck. But the upshot is, as we wrap this one up for the game and for the show, lesson one. The things that the offense need to do are in the booth and in the planning. The execution is there. The problems that we're having and we'll continue to have until somebody figures out how to infuse some sort of creativity into our playbook construction is that we absolutely and positively need to use the entire field as we advance the ball. Some of our biggest plays the other night were going against that grain. We're using the whole field. Why do you want to run them in traffic? So that's my thing on offense, on defense. We know we've talked about it. Okay, Brian, as we close this out, why don't you give me a couple of things you think we need to do on defense? Wake Forest is a team who are averaging 40 points a game, which is third in the ACC behind Clemson and Virginia Tech. So they're going to be an issue. Stopping, I think, with uh, Demon Deacons, they make their bread by the running the football. They're a great rushing team, so we better be ready to stop the run this weekend. That's where it's going to be. If we can make them throw the ball a little more, I think it'll play in our favor. But we've shown a little bit of vulnerability to a good rushing attack, so that remains to be seen how that will play. But definitely the running game is where the defense needs to key in on this weekend. Okay, and on the offense, we need to keep up where we're going Wake has not been real great against the run, even though they do have a really good run offense, their run defense hasn't been so good. So, and I don't think their pass defense has been really great. I think Tech needs to do pretty much what it did against BC. One, they have to control the ball. We got to keep our offense on the field and their offense off. Then at some point, the defense, their defense will have to be forced to stop our running game. And you know that's what's going to happen. I'm just hoping that they use the whole field instead of the boundary. And I think at that point, we'll probably win. So 
if you've got any other observations or we'll discuss this game in detail later in the week and with through our audio podcast and through our written previews so there'll be more to come on this one yeah it's going to be a fun week because we're coming off a win and there's a lot of positives and not a ton of negatives to handle of course there always be the things that we're going to have to handle and and that's the minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour insanity that is COVID. And got our fingers crossed, and we'll see what happens. So if everybody will be happy and patient and smile, it is now Wake Forest Week. And I'll leave you with Go, Go Hokies. Hokies.